Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Gypsy Poet Radio. I'm the Gypsy Poet, and this evening we are featuring our film director who is blowing the minds of his audiences everywhere with mesmerizing themes and great social commentary. Please welcome Michael S. Rodriguez. Hello, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, thank you. What a great intro. I really loved it. Thank you so much. It's so fitting for what I do. (laughs) Well, I I wanted to do it right because you truly deserve it. I've I've seen your stuff, and of course I've checked you out and researched you, and you deserve the best intro possible, especially on a show like mine. Um, I want to get to this question because I'm, like I said, before I'm, I'm totally hooked on your on your material. Who or what introduced you to the profession of movie making? Okay, if we got some time, and I'll I'll, I'll try to keep it in a timely manner. But I I really want to tell you how it really all started. Okay, and it, and it's really a heartfelt story because um, my my grandparents started when I was eight years old. Um, so when I was a kid growing up. Um, my mom told me that like my kindergarten teacher uh, pulled her in for a teacher conference and said, your son has like this really unique, you know, ability to tell stories, you know, where he could like actually take, um, when he goes out to recess, he can get all the kids on the schoolyard just to sit around him and he could tell a story without even a big book in his hand. And um, so it was interesting. So I kind of had this knack for doing that. And I, and I always, you know, like I would, daydream and think about things. Well, anyways, when I was eight years old, my grandparents, you know, who who, who kind of raised me and helped my mom, um, they took me to Universal Studios when I was eight. And I was amazed. I was, I mean, I, you know, I was so amazed. I was in this world that I felt like that's where I belonged, you know? Like it was this, this world of, of, you know, fantasy and imagination. And I was learning, like, the magician tricks. And I was learning how everything was done, you know, and how, you know, you how it's perceived and, and how to make that happen. And anyways, it just it blew my mind and it, and it stuck with me forever, you know. And, and I have to say it was my grandparents that kind of like sparked it there. And um, and over the years, you know, I, I would stick with it. I'd write, I'd draw, I'd do all kinds of stuff. So I would say that the origin of, of me starting to make movies was them. Is is them uh, instilling that in me and and knowing that you know that how can I say they were nurturing you know a young boy's you know uh, dreams, um, and I was very fortunate for that you know I, I really was I know some there's people out there you know that that you know may have it a little harder may have it you know and where you know they have these ideas but they don't have that kind of encouragement to say like hey uh, you can do that you know. And uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, they're they're both gone recently, and uh, I, uh, I I won an award. I won an award a few months ago, and I dedicated it to both of them. Well, congratulations on that award. But I'm sorry that they they left so soon. I think. Um, yeah. Yes. What um, what films did you enjoy when you were growing up? 
Well, I'll tell you what. There was one movie in particular that I seen, and it and it scared the heck out of me. And I think it scared probably about everybody my age or a little older. Uh, it was Jaws. Okay, I went and see. I seen Jaws, and I was just, you know, I was I was blown away by that movie. I mean, it just, you know, it seemed so real and so, it, I mean, the tension and everything like that. So um, I remember seeing that movie, and of course. George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. I went and seen that in the drive-in with my dad. And I think my dad, it was funny because I wrote George Romero when he was still around, when he was still with us. I wrote him a letter telling him how when I was a kid, I was at this drive-in and my dad took me to see uh, Dawn of the Dead with him. And, you know, when you go to the drive-in, you either sit on the the back tailgate of a truck or, or, you know, the trunk of a car or, you know, lawn chairs. I remember I was sitting on my dad's lap in a lawn chair and he was holding me up as though he was like shielding himself from all the gore, he was scared. So I kind of had to like look at it, you know, and, um, but it made an impact. It made a positive impact. I wasn't afraid of it. You know, I was, I was just very um, intrigued by, you know, by horror and, uh, but, but Jaws going back to Jaws, it was that movie that, uh, that I always, when, when I would say be playing with my toys, I think of Jaws or I'd kind of think about scenarios. And, you know, it's funny because what happens now is, there's times where I get a little creative block or I got to have, I, I have to figure something out, you know, and I'm stumped. So what I will do is I will take Jaws and I will pop it into the DVD player and I will watch it. I will revisit it and then it will spark my imagination again, you know, and uh, it's my go-to movie. And I always recommend it to filmmakers sometimes when they're struggling, they'll say, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm stumped or I'm this and that. And I'll, you know, I'll either message them on their Facebook or I'll put it in their comments and I'm like, go watch Jaws now, <laughs> you know? I understand that. So and, um, I'm, I'm the same way. When I see something that, um, when I see a fellow writer struggling in one way or another, I, I usually recommend something or stick something in their inbox. So I relate that completely and totally. I like yeah. that very much. Very cool. Yeah, um, who in- and, the, and, the, and the reason being, if you don't mind me uh, um, also elaborating on it, if you don't mind, um, the reason being, too, is because not because, you know, of the movie just in itself, but the fact is, you know, that, that they created a lot of suspense without having the shark because the shark wasn't working. You know, the backstory of it is how they couldn't get the shark really to work till almost, you know, the end of the film, and it barely worked then. So, like, what Spielberg had to do was he had to continue to create that suspense throughout the movie without actually showing a, a, a huge creature, you know? And I, yeah. I thought that was so, so brilliant, you know? And I remember when I made my first short film and it was an award winning short, I made it about a creature. And the first thing I went to a studio because I wasn't planning to direct it, but I went to the studio and I said, okay, they read the script and they're like, okay, well, what are you going to do with this creature? You know, are we going to, are we going to CGI the creature or is there going to be a puppet? Because this is going to look like it's going to cost you most of the budget. And I said, you know what? I really don't care about the monster. I go, you know, anybody can make the monster, you know, I go, I'll even make the monster. It's not really about that. I go, it's about, it's about the family. It's about, you know, the characters in the movie. So what happened was bottom line when that studio passed, because I didn't want to put a whole lot of money because I didn't have a whole lot of money. I went to this, um, this guy that actually was doing stop motion and puppeteering, but he was working at target, you know, and he was only doing this on the side and he created this little puppet monster. 
And I said, oh, that's perfect. So what I told the the, the cast and crew to do is go watch Jaws because we were going to do that. We were going to create this suspense and make the creature secondary. And it, and it, and it worked. So I got to thank Jaws. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. awesome. What a story you got here. So <clears throat> you can say that Jaws introduced you to horror films, or was it an individual who did so? Well, I, well if I... If, if I could lay blame to anybody, it would be my my late father. My father was a movie buff, but he loved to be scared. So, like, you know, I was the one that always go to the walk-in theaters with them or the drive-in, and we'd watch zombie movies, and we'd watch, you know, we went and seen King, you know, everything you can think of. We would go watch uh, horror movies, the Halloween movies, uh, Friday the 13th. Um, yeah, so, you know, we were, we, I, we were junkies. I was junk, you know, I was a horror junkie even, you know, re- really young. So uh, I'd have to say my my father was the one that really uh, got me going with that. And we'd always watch, you know, and getting to what I'm doing now, but, you know, we would watch Twilight Zone, the Rod Sterling Twilight Zones. They come on Ooh, my Saturday God. night. Yeah. Oh, and they'd have like a block. They'd have a block uh, on Saturday night. They would have a block of you, you. You'd be able to watch two night galleries and then two Twilight Zones, you know, and they both had Rod Sterling in it. And like, I think that's what really got me hooked with um, with anthologies, you know, episodic TV, and I feel like I'm almost become I'm almost coming full circle with it now. Oh, that's awesome! And speaking of Twilight yeah. Zone, that happened to be one of my favorites as well. I have to let you know that. Um, can you give me two elements that are the best part of making horror films? The two elements that are the best part. Um, well, let's see, I, this is what I, and, and it, this is getting, I, I would say this is, because I know there's another question coming down the line about this, and, and I know that you have a musical background, and so what I'd like to say is, on one of the elements, I love, I love how when post-production collaborates, because I, I can only take it so far, I can, I can tell a story, and so I've been asked this in a panel, where they've asked me, like, you know, Mr. Rodriguez, you know, what, how do you make your scary movies? What, how do you do it? How do you make, and I said, you know what? I go, I really don't make them scary. I go, I'll tell a story that has scary elements in it. But when it's in the raw, it's not quite scary. You can actually just watch it and you're like, okay, these people are filming something. But when you collaborate with a really good editor and you collaborate with a really good composer and you know, you know what I mean. And you get that like mesh of, of of all these elements to create that scariness. And then you guys all watch the scene together. I think that's one of my favorite parts of of, of doing horror is when you got your post production team, and you know, and yourself, and you're telling a story together. And and I've always been that one not to take solely sole credit for everything, you know, because I have a really good cinematographer that knows what I want and, you know, and can still, you know, I give them that uh, artistic expression to kind of uh, experiment once in a while. And then also, you know, um, with my editor and my composers that I choose, I often do that too. I give a little free range to kind of feel what's going on. And um, yeah, I think that's, I mean, one of my favorite elements in that. And then of course is the creating process with the actors because I'm also um, I, I I give uh, actors free reign uh, during 
filming, you know, like I, they stay within the, the confines of my story and the script, but you know what, if they, they want to ad lib or if they want to go the extra mile with the character, I won't shut it down because, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot everything. So I'll get what I need. And, and if you want to add a little something to it, go ahead. Because I, I feel that when I build a set and I create something, I create an actor's or an artist's playground and we're all artists. So, um, those are my favorite two elements of making horror is working with the actors and getting them in that moment to, to, to bring it. And then, and then in post-production, when it's, when that's all done, we get to mix it up and then make it scary. And that, that's just so mm. fun. I can see that. <laughs> um, <laughs> again, I want to, I want to say congratulations on, on your, on your awards that, that you have received that mm-hmm. I've, uh, when I received, you. And also your Chainsaw Awards that you received from San Antonio. So this is a really big moment for me to have you on my program because I know there's a lot of locals that know who you are, and um, I've got plenty of locals that listen in on my show. So I'm very happy that you are as accomplished as you are. So keep going, man. I Thank cannot you. wait to see what you're going to do. Thank you, and I hope, I hope to make it out there one of these days for a film festival because, like I said, San Antonio has always been very supportive of me and I've been meaning to come out there to, um, to to their film festivals and stuff like that. But I will, I, I will, uh, I, you know, I I went to shoot a movie that actually screened at uh, uh, a film festival in San Antonio a year, the following year. But we, I drove through Texas and um, we were in a hurry because we were gonna we were in the middle of production. But I was like, man, I wish I could like swing through, you know, San Antonio and maybe. Um, you know, uh, hit up a few friends that, that follow me on Facebook, but, you know, eventually, like I said, once I get, uh, things going again, where I'm, where I'm, you know, um, submitting films to film festivals, I'm definitely want to visit the, the town of San Antonio because they've been so nice to me. Oh, yes, absolutely. And you got one more fan over here. <sighs> oh, thank what you. A relief. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, um, as, as you know, I enjoy making music to horror films, and I want to know what you look for in the composer and or in their music to make your film come alive. Okay, what I okay here's my thing with composers because a lot of times you know like I I, I get you know approached on Facebook things like that and they they send samples they send samples for me to listen to and they're like okay you know what, what do you think would you you know want want to go with me or a production. What I really look for is that the composer like to really, I guess, internalize, um, say the, 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 the movie or the story that they're looking at. Say if I, say if I sent you like, you know, um, a a rough cut of something with, with no score and I'm like, okay, well, you know, and, 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 um, I do listen, even though I am not a musician, I, I do know what I'm listening for and I know what I'm looking at. So like, I really love a composer that, that just kind of owns it, you know, that owns it and says, okay, you know, I, I know my role here and I know I'm going to tell this story right along with you. So like, you know, I, I have, I work with this one um, composer that we've worked together since I started. And I mean, I work with all different composers. I work with anybody, any artist, but, um, there's times where I just like when he brings up stuff that, you know, like I'll have him score something and I'll watch it and I'm like, wow, he felt it. He felt like, you know, it's interesting. Like, you know, I, I always give just a few notes. I always, 
if they ask me, well, what are you going for? I'll say something kind of like Hitchcock, something sort of, you know, I'll, I'll just give little tiny notes. Like I'm not very super specific, but like I said, when a composer is seeing something like, and, and they just know this is the sound, this is the sound, this is the buildup to getting to that main crescendo. You know what I mean? And then, when I'm watching, that's when I know. That's when I'm like, I'm thinking, wow, they really internalized it. It's like, it's like when you know, like, say, if you wrote a book and you handed it to somebody, you're like, oh, did you read? Did you read my book? Yeah, I thought it was good, you know. And then, you know, as opposed to say, maybe somebody read it and they read it like cover to cover, and they're like, oh my god, you know, wow, you know, that part with the girl and that, you know, oh my goodness, you know, my heart sank. You know what I mean? And you know that they like really internalized it. And I, that's what I look for, like, when a composer does that. And, like, say I'll send them a scene and they'll send it back to me and I'll listen and I'm like, wow, they really got that. They, they, You know what I mean? Like, like it's their sound. It's their art. But, I mean, they just kind of – they own it. They just they just went and took it and just owned it. And, and um, I don't know, it's sort of hard to explain that. But at the same time, it's like, like I'm in wow, like, oh, my goodness, you know, because like, I really do listen to it. And I really do watch the buildup of the characters and I watch the buildup and everything. And I'm like, yes, this person read it cover to cover. You know what I mean? As a, in my, yes. my, my analogy. Yes, I do. So. Completely and totally. Well, I'm a voracious reader anyway. So whether it be a script or yeah. a novel, I, I will read it from yeah. cover to cover. If I, if, and if there's something interesting that I can get inside a character's head to create a piece of music with, yeah, I'm all for that. I can do that. So I, See, I, and that's I, great. That's great. Yeah, you mm-hmm. hit home there. Okay. Yeah, there's hey, a, I, this, there's a, there's this. Huh? Go okay. On. Go on. No, there there's a there's a scene I want to kind of bring this up because it was really neat and it's it's going back to the composer I've worked with over the years. But I did this movie called Jack Incarnate, and the main scene of the movie and it's building up to the climax, and uh and it you know violent cli- climax and and the thing is, the score in that, like, to me, I feel like it's underrated. Like, I, I, you know, reviewers have given it really good reviews. I've won awards for the movie. But I really, really want to tell, you know, I really want uh, Luis Obregon, who scored it, to get some really good props because there's a six-minute scene, and it's all monologue. It's all, you know, it's a heavily written piece. And he interpreted that whole six-minute conversation and he just built it up i mean you hear the strings going and you hear piano and you hear and you know and and like like i said i'm not a musician but i know when someone is really owning it and they're really they've really gotten into the heads of the characters so you know that it's just yeah it's it's just an amazing thing it's an amazing process altogether yes i see that and i'm i'm loving what i'm hearing there is a title that you sent me that has me really curious. What is Night of the Sea Monkey about? Night of the Sea Monkey, A Disturbing Tale. Can you tell me just a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, Night of the Sea Monkey uh, was my first, actual, that was my first directing effort. And th- this goes back to my story about Jaws when, like I said, the, the, I, it's basically about this little boy that lives in this home that's sort of dysfunctional. Everybody's kind of, they're, they're very self-absorbed family. And the little boy is kind of like this little boy in a bubble and he watches everything and he gets shut out of everything. So he's very lonely. 
So he orders this uh, mail-order sea monkeys, uh, you know, from a comic book. Well, they all end up dying, and the mom throws them down the drain, and one starts growing inside the drain. So one evening, it, it grows and gets out, and feed starts feeding on the family and starts growing and getting bigger and bigger. And um, uh, during this weekend when this is happening, um, the parents bring um, the father's mother, who's, who's, who's senile, from a rest home to visit with them. So one by one, they get all picked off except for the little boy and the senile grandmother. And they form a bond and they decide to, to, to defeat this monster. And they end up doing it. And it's, it's a really cute story. It's a really, um, a lot of people told me it's, it's got, it gets them a little sentimental because of the grandma, but it, that movie, that little short film has some magic to it. It was my first directing effort. Um, I had been writing already before that, so it wasn't the first story I ever wrote. But I felt that there was a lot of, um, by me having to direct it, because I couldn't get anybody to do it. And what I mean by that is I wrote this really ambitious story, and I knew how I wanted to shoot it. I wasn't a director. I was just a writer at the time. Um, I... Uh, I shopped it around to different places that I was hoping would make it. And they kind of shot it down for their own little reasons. And I'm like, okay, well now I'm backed into a corner, but I had a feeling this had to be made because I had a feeling this was going to be the, the turning point of me getting really into this business. And it was, it this, this, it all fell into place just at the right time. So I kind of got forced into directing this and we didn't know what was going to happen much like the first jaws how everybody, you know, the shark didn't work, so they kind of, like, all kind of gritted their teeth and they played it at these theaters, like, thinking, oh, this is going to bomb, and it ended up doing the opposite. Um, we shot this. It was my first time directing. I didn't even know directing lingo. And uh, we crossed our fingers, and all of a sudden it just started winning awards. And then before you know it, I was getting, you know, asked to be interviewed by magazines, that, you know, that I read as a kid. And ever since then, it's, it's you know, it's all paid off. I, you know, I just continue to do what I do. Yes, congratulations. And uh, that yeah, felt and like the one. Yeah, that movie. Huh? And I was going to say that this one won the San Antonio Film Festival Award, so congratulations on that one as yeah. well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, I have a few more questions. Let me get to this one. Is there a novel that you have yet to see made into a film that has caught your attention that you were probably inspired to make into a film? You know what? That's a very good question, and this this sort of leads into a plug, okay? Like, okay, for something. Now, um, it's interesting that you say that because, I've you know, over the years when I was a kid, I read several books, several short story um books, you know, um, of collections by Stephen King. And it's funny because nowadays, I mean, everything's been made into a movie, you know what I mean? From, from books. Yes. I mean, a, a lot of, I mean, a lot of movies, you know, a lot of, you know, novels that, you know, you grew up reading Michael Crichton stuff, things like that. But, um, here's my plug. Um, I worked with a gentleman named Archibald Jr. Uh, about six years ago, five, six years ago. And, um, he he's a veteran actor. He used to work in the '60s. He did a lot of movies with his father, and then he retired, became an airline pilot, and then I caught his movies on the Late Show, and I ended up tracking him down and talking him out of retirement. And he had been out of he had been retired 
50 years for making movies. Mm-hmm. Um, after we made movies, we remained friends, and um, he discussed a novel that he had written, you know, like in the early 2000s called Absurd Jet. And what Absurd Jet is, it's sort of like, um, you know, like uh, um, Air America. It's one of those movies about, like, during, like, you know, a time of war, these, these pilots, these rogue pilots, are flying overseas and they end up getting, they end up getting, you know, uh, forced to like kind of, uh, career, um, fly drugs back and forth and it's dangerous and perilous and there's lots of adventure. And anyways, um, my buddy Arch Hall, he wrote this novel and, uh, we actually started talking about making the movie. You know, he sent me a copy of it after we had worked together on a film. And I read it, it's been a few years back, and I was like, wow, that's pretty good. It was really, had some action, some mystery in it. Uh, and it's a different, how could I say, it's a different, uh, it's a different genre to kind of look at, you know, to expand on. Because it's always, you know, I love horror, but, you know, people are always asking me, is that the only thing you're going to make is horror movies? I said, you never know. You really don't. I mean, there could be a story that strikes my interest, or there could be a project that I get offered. And and if it sounds like it's a good piece and it sounds like it's something that I can put my artistic flair on and my little style to it, then yeah, you know, like I'm not gonna uh, pigeonhole myself and say, oh, I'm just straight horror. You you never know. So right. I thought to myself, this could be a really good challenge. See if this ever got picked up or made um, into a film from this novel, that you know that would be a, an awesome challenge. So uh, around December. This past year, Arch Hall Jr. says, hey, I'm going to send you something. You know, I got a surprise for you. I'll send it to you in the mail. Well, he had gotten with somebody else, and they had developed a a screenplay to make a film based on the novel. So I read the screenplay during the winter break, and then before you know it, we hit the ball. We hit the the ground running because then he said, hey, uh, I have a studio that wants a proof of concept. So we started getting things together to shoot like this scene in a cockpit and this play in this, and then we were going to do this club scene um, in kind of like a, a Thailand type area. But, you know, we were going to set it up to make it look like that just anywhere in LA, like a studio. But anyways, we, we, we started getting some really good names attached to it and we were getting everybody's contracts together and then COVID-19 hit. And oh, that, yeah. So that pushed everything back to where, you know, we went from what three months to right now. We it's kind of like indefinite now. You know, we we really don't know exactly when everything completely opens up because we were, we were planning to shoot this all in L.A. You know, on on sound stages and 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 we had these different locations, but um, we were building building momentum. So, long story short, if there's a novel I'd like to see be see made, especially by myself, it's Absurd Jet by Arch Hall Jr. <laughs> Awesome. So my last couple questions, I'm going to sum them up into one here. Uh, Who is your greatest support in your film, and who is your greatest inspiration, and where are you from originally? Okay. Um, Who is my – I'll say – who is my greatest support? You know, I would say my immediate family, uh, my mother, uh, like I said, she's known since I was uh, young and that I was a storyteller. So she's always, she's never, you know, she's never told me, like, Mike, put it away now. It's a dream. Don't, you know, you know, mm-hmm. she's never done that to me. She's always, always encouraged me. And, and you know, and everybody else around me, I have children. 
that mm-hmm. that uh, don't necessarily watch my horror movies, but they will tell me once in a while, like, yeah, they'll come home from school and they're like, hey, my friends Googled your name and they, they think you're cool, you know? <laughs> like, I'm like, really? They go, yeah, they, they want to meet you sometime. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I thought, and when they when they say that, I, I see this this bit of pride in them when they say it, and it that that touches me. That that that's that's a paycheck in itself for all the hard work sometimes we do, and we don't get paid for it. To me, that's that's a payment. When when your kid comes home with this smile and they're kind of they're they got this pride in their eyes and they're like, Dad, you know, my my friends they found you on YouTube or they. They type your name in Google and like, man, they think you're cool because you do all these cool things. And I mean, that just means the world to me. It just means that I'm, I'm making an impact and it's a positive one. You know, I'm doing something positive and you know, like people can see it differently. Like, Oh, it's horror. It's negative. It's violent, but it's not, it's, it's escapism. You know, I don't, I don't make um, gratuitous horror movies. I like to tell a really good story and you know, it happens to be suspenseful or scary um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with people that do gratuitous score because we're all in it for the entertainment value and there's and, and different strokes for different folks. Some people like, you know, extreme horror and some people like suspense and some people like mainstream horror. You know, and yeah. that's all fine. Um but I definitely do it, you know, like I said, I, I, I do it because I need to express my artistic vision. I can't keep it trapped or bottled up. And, you know, if it if it if it's uh, if it's of any monetary value, that's great. That you know, it's an added plus, but it's not why I do it. I do it right. because you know I love it. I love it. I I I dream about it. You know, I think about it daily. It consumes me uh, to where you know. I mean, you know, and that's the goal. Is I wish I could just do this twenty four seven. You know, I mean, of course, I'm in, I'm an independent, so you know, I have to have a day job um, yeah, to, sure. to support the dream, but. It doesn't mean that I'm going to stop dreaming, so I just keep moving forward with it. Mm-hmm. So that's my family is my support. And then uh, my greatest inspirations um, are, the, are you know, I have a li- long list, longer than my arm, of all my favorite filmmakers, the Palma, you know, Orson Welles. I mean, there's, you know, but I do have a filmmaker that I actually, like, I bonded with and we're close friends, and I was inspired by his work. And he, I'm also now going to be in a recut um, version of his documentary, and this is Jim Van Beber. This is somebody you should look up to. He's a really neat individual to look up. But um, yes. he's kind of like a guy that started like me, but this is like over 30 years ago. And uh, he became this underground, you know, filmmaking guy. And he's, he's, he's kind of like a Quentin Tarantino. He does everything on film, and uh, yes. he doesn't take, you know, he doesn't do no digital. He he does everything old school. And anyways, but he's got this unique style to him, this visual style. And I watched his movies years ago, and I was like, wow, you know, this guy, I really connect with this guy. And then come to find out, we end up talking and corresponding. And, and then before you know it, I directed him in my movie because he acts as well. And um, over the years, we bonded, you know. And uh, I, I have to say that he's, you know, he's a really good inspiration for me. He coaches me. You know, I'll show him rough cuts of my films. And he'll give me notes, and um, I usually listen to his notes because he's been there and done that. And uh, so, yeah, if I if I do have to say there's an inspiration in my life right now, I would say Jim Van Bever. And where am I from? I am a small town boy. I grew up. I was born in Madera, California. 
That's a very small town, um, raised here in the valley, uh, in the Fresno, California area, known as the Central Valley. Um, I never really left here. I've I've been here all my um, adolescent life and adult life. And um, now that things are picking up for me, I've been asked that question, would I move to L.A.? Would I go there? Would I, you know, become part of the industry there? And my answer will always be no. Um, uh, respectfully, no. I mean, it's not that I don't want to go there. It, it's it's the point that when I was doing this close to 10 years ago, I was shouting that the earth wasn't flat to people here. I was saying, look, we can bring elements of entertainment in Hollywood where we're at. You know what I mean? Yeah. We can actually make magic. We can we can do this here. Just like people like filmmakers there in San Antonio can do it there. They can make movies. Like Robert Rodriguez is in Texas and he has his own studio there. And he makes Hollywood movies there. Um I've always felt that way too. Like I don't feel that, you know, I'm 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 self righteous and think, Oh, I don't go I don't need to be there. It's not that. It's just that I I have roots here and I have I'm very comfortable. My living situation is comfortable. And I've made lots of resources here that can provide, you know, quality entertainment and, and great production value here. So, you know, I'm like, well, you know, and, and, it, and it supports local people. It supports the local artists. And, you know, I love giving opportunities and jobs to people in, in my area, you know. Wonderful. Well, I, would, I just want to say yeah. we did go a little over time, but you know what? Um, it's going to be um, uploaded on the archives shortly. I just want to say I am mm-hmm. so excited that I, uh, you had called in on my show. You have an amazing and enriching story to tell, and I cannot wait to see what you're going to do next. I'm anticipating much more from you. And 2020 is, has, gotten, has gotten off to a rough start, but I think it's going mm-hmm. to be a wonderful finish. And considering the fact that you called in on my show is, is reason enough. For me, you know, because you have... Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you, because it is a joy to find out who's out there, what's going on, and you had some very interesting things, and I wanted to bring them to my show, and I want more and more people to be watching your stuff, because you have some, like I said in, in my intro, you've got some really good commentary, and you've got some mesmerizing themes in your works, and I cannot wait to see what you're going to do next, really. I mean, let me put it this way. As much as I'm a fan of yours, I hope that you also become a fan and a friend of mine. And watching your material grow is truly a blessing. So thank you so much for calling in on GPR, and I hope that uh, you, you call in again as a guest. And I, and I, would, and I look forward to seeing great reviews from you. And I'll be more than happy to promote anything and everything that you do. You rock, man. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, Gypsy Poet Radio, thank you so much. I I think this show's great. I wish you tons of success to continue on, and I'd love to be on the show anytime, anytime. Just let me know, and I'll be here. You got it. Oh, man. This is the Gypsy Poet signing off saying adieu for now, but please send a big virtual hug to our new friend, Michael S. Rodriguez. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. All right, you. everybody. Good night. Mm-hmm. All right. Good, good night. Good night.